the Collaborating Conversation podcast is for avid book readers, book lovers, and authors. Listen to this podcast as we talk more about the art of writing, stories behind books, and the hands that created them. So stay tuned and enjoy our show. Welcome to the Collaborating Conversations podcast. Today's episode is part five of the Founder Series Deep Dive by author Emmanuel M. Ariaga. So, yeah, my next question will be when you are creating, you know, when you start the process for writing a new book, you kind of say you have that kind of general outline. Is it the same process for each book when you start writing? Uh, you kind of have the idea and kind of do you let it simmer? Do you kind of just start writing? I'm also kind of thinking of this from, you know, a new author perspective, someone who's never written before. How do you start? Because, you know, when you read a book, you're like, wow, that was amazing. This was fantastic. But you don't necessarily think about how many hours were dedicated to writing, starting over. Uh, getting rid of some stuff that was poor character development. So I guess, where do you begin when you, when you start a new book or your your first book? Yeah. um, So it, so typically I'll start a book with a, I use the snowflake method. Um, I don't know if I talked about this before, but the snowflake method to writing a book is you start with an idea. Um, And uh, for the founder series, I have a, um, uh, a, a broader idea or theme for the book, you know, and if you think about like the publishing industry, it's like, what's your, what's your, um, what's your, what's your hook, right? Like what's the, what's the thing that's going to catch someone's eye and get them to read your book. So I actually spent a lot of time like thinking through what that hook is um, for the book. And that's the foundation of what, um, of what I'm going to write. Um and then once I have the hook, um, I actually start to expand that out. Uh, and so a hook may become, you know, uh, a paragraph um, that fully describes the story. Um, and then what I do is I start to expand that paragraph into more detail, um, you know, and I build on that. Um, and um you know, what I, what I end up doing is I, I, you know, I continue expanding on the detail until I get to the level where I'm comfortable with, you know, how the story is developing, you know, and I, and I spend some time breaking it out into, you know, like um, something more recently that I started doing with the third book is actually, you know, it's kind of happened intrinsically in the first and second books, but I've been more intentional about it in the third book with like thinking through the three act structure. Um, and I've actually, you know, and this has come out of, you know, a lot of the, the content that I've read around, um, um, screenplays where I actually spend some time, I actually do like a note card exercise, you know, thinking through like some of the key defining moments in the book and what those are. And I flush those out a little bit more. Um, and so it, it actually, it actually helps to bring a smoother flow and narrative to the story. Um, just from uh just from like thinking through the plot and i and i do this a lot more in some of my side novels because a lot of those are um um a lot of those are uh based off of an idea or a dream um that i had um that leads to um creating um you know like elevator quest for example elevator quest was a dream i had um the print you know the entire book was a dream and what I did was, you know, I wrote down a dream in the waking night. Uh, and then, 
you know, I sat down and actually started to build into a cohesive story. So I started thinking through, you know, I expanded it out into an outline, you know, and started fleshing out additional details and character specifics and, and actually just, you know, going through the, the mechanics of building a book. Um, but, you know, it started as, um, you know, it started as a dream. <laughs> Some of my books actually do start that way. Founder is a bit different because Founder, uh, there's a lot of scenes throughout Founder that are dreams, but the overarching story itself uh, is something that I've developed over many hours and days and months um, to flesh out this, um, to flesh out this full narrative, this full universe. Uh, and so I actually, you know, I have a detailed, I have a detailed journey of, you know, where founder began in book one and even before book one, you know, I have some prequels planned that talk about some of the history and, and, you know, events that are referenced and actually where it ends, you know, so there's a, a finite end to Foundra, the the series. Uh, and I already know how it's going to end, you know, and, and right now it's just building the journey to get there, you know, over the next, you know, however many books it ends up being, um, you know, and, but I know how it ends. Right. And I think that's a really important thing when you're creating a story is you have to know how it ends. I think a lot of authors struggle when they they start with an idea, but they don't actually spend time thinking through how it all ends, how it all comes together. What's the purpose of it all, right? Um, but when you do that, I think it actually helps you to write a better story. Uh, and your subconscious actually works in parallel with you to, you know, flesh out how you get there, right? And, and this has happened to me so many times. Um, um, you know, this has happened to me so many times uh, where you may have um, uh, a scene where I didn't think through, you know, as I'm writing the scene, I know how it ends. And then, you know, something, I'll write something in that scene that wasn't planned that actually ties in really well to something that's planned later in the book because I actually spend time like thinking through the full story itself. Um, and so it actually, it's, it's actually an interesting experience because your subconscious works with you to tie things together in very interesting and creative ways um, that, that aren't always planned. And that's happened to me more than once where it's just like, Oh, that's a really cool. That's really cool. How that scene turned out because that actually plays into something much later. And I didn't plan it that way. What percentage of writing the book is sitting down and writing versus kind of simmering on the idea and kind of thinking it through and just kind of letting the imagination take over and trying to connect dots? I spent a lot of time up front thinking through the story, thinking through the key plots or the key points, thinking through the key challenges, the struggles, um, the epiphanies, like thinking through all that stuff before I ever write a page. Um, I think it's different to based off of where, um, where you are in your writing journey. Cause I think if you're a new author starting out, it's really important just to get something on the page to actually start. But for me, like I, I, I know the mechanics of how to write a book. Like I've written a lot of books, you know, even some books that aren't published yet that are going through the editing process with editors. And, um, you know, so I know how to write a book. And so for me, it's actually really important for me to, spend some time actually making sure that, you know, 
um, that the scenes that I'm creating in that book are, are truly something special. And it actually comes from a, you know, um, this is actually something, you know, you do aspects of this subconsciously, but I'm now more intentional about it. Um, I read this really good book uh, called story. Um, it's written by, um, it's written by this guy. His name is, uh, 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 he's this, he's this really, he's this screenwriting, um, Robert McKee. So he's this screenwriting teacher who's very, um, famous in industry. And he, um, he's written, you know, uh, basically the textbook on like how to write good story for screenplays, how to have good character dialogue, how to write good characters. Um, and one of the thing in the book is called story, the one that I'm referencing. And one of the things he talks about in the story, you know, he, he's a huge fan of the note card exercise and I've, I've started doing a lot more note cards, um, because he, you actually, um, his, his idea is, you know, you, you want to aim for volume um, because, you know, the best screenwriters, the best authors may come up with, you know, three to 400 different scenes, right? Uh, and maybe 20% of those are good, right? And so he's just like, but if you don't spend time like just flushing out the ideas, you know, you may have some mediocre scenes. Um, and it's so true. Like I, um, you know, I I've spent a lot of time just thinking through ideas, thinking through, you know, um, scenes and, you know, I may have, you know, I'm, I'm currently doing this with a, um, an, un, an unannounced book um, that I, that's been kind of a passion project for me. The premise of the book is that there is this, um, um, it's a, a modern fantasy novel um, that's actually set in like a D and D world. Uh, and so, you know, there are D and D style characters, monsters, things like that, but it's like modern day. Um, you know, uh, a, a good example would be something like Bright. If you're familiar with the Netflix series Bright, where they have, um, you know, it's like modern day, but like they have fantasy characters there. Um, and so it's, it's kind of, it, it's kind of has that same spirit, uh, you know, completely different story, but the, the premise of it is, you know, you have these, um, you know, it's a murder mystery, right. Uh, almost like a detective story. Um, uh, because, you know, you have a, a succubus who's killing victims, right? And so, you know, if you know anything about D&D lore, like succubus are able to transform, you know, into different people and they have magic, you know, and they can, you know, manipulate people, right? Uh, and so, you know, hey, if you make one of them, and if, if, you are, if you're a modern day and you make one of them a serial killer, right? Like how hard would it be for a detective to, to, uh, you know, to hunt down one of those, right? <laughs> you know, and so it's like, it's this play, you know, it, it kind of goes in the same vein as Elevator Quest, where Elevator Quest was this D&D style story, right? Um, and, uh, you know, it's set in modern day with these characters and kind of put them into these archetypes. And so, you know, this other novel that I'm working on is kind of in that same spirit. And I feel like that's a, that's a, um, that's a genre of writing for me that I actually enjoy a lot. 
Um, and so, you know, I'll, I have a lot of ideas planned for like that type of writing, um, you know, and that's separate from like Foundra, you know, and, and, the and this horror sci-fi series that I'm creating, that's completely separate. Um, goal someday is to be a full-time author, right? Yeah. Cause currently Absolutely. you are employed at a, uh, cough, cough institution, cough, cough, normal job, day job, right? Yeah. I don't know how, normal, I don't know how normal tech is, uh, to the average person, but yes. He, he works for an author in a way, you know, they author a lot of software. <laughs> I guess that's the one way to put it, right? Yeah. Yeah, but the goal, the the end goal is to become a full-time author. How did that, where did that dream come from? Or how did that, because yeah, it seems like you have a lot of great stories and a lot of great ideas and kind of jumping back, because I think there's something to address, especially when you're starting off the Idra or Ira, Iron Glass does the gap where in the beginning your stuff isn't very good and you can tell your stuff is very, isn't very good. And a lot of people quit. But if you keep pushing through and some days you just have to push through and you know, if you want to become an author or something, you just have to write as much as you can because the beginning, it's going to be terrible. Like, like you said, right now, you know how to write a book. It's the story of the book, you know, the air quotes, the tech, the tech side of it, or the, the written portion of it is air quotes, the easy part, developing the story and making it something that people want to read, you know, making it interesting and intriguing to the, to the reader is the hard part. Yeah. So I think there's like, if you listen to Robert McKee, one of the things he talks about is, um, there is technique. Uh, so like there are aspects to good storytelling that just exists, right? Like, um, you know, the hero's journey, you go from the beginning where they have kind of a basic quest or they're kind of, I mean, there's, there's a lot, yeah, there's a lot of different styles of story, but in general, like they, you know, you, you, you know, what good storytelling is, it's, you know, it's something that's repeatable. Um, but there are, you know, there are, there are different things, you know, uh, that contribute to that as well. So there's like, you know, skill, creativity, um, you know, and, and people have varying levels of that, you know, and so, you know, you can be a creative person, um, but if you don't know the proper technique, you may not actually produce good content. Right. Um, and, but if you're a creative person and you know, proper technique, like you kind of have, an understanding of like the three X structure, you know, how to, how to tee up, you know, certain events, you know, how to, how to drive narrative along, you know, which is character driven, you know, I think, um, you don't want the plot to do all the work for you. You know? Yeah. One one of the, and this is actually a challenge that a lot of people run into when they're writing, um, plot driven writing is not good. Everything should be character driven. Uh, and, and I think, where people struggle when you, when you look at writing that's plot driven, like the characters are a lot of times not very interesting. They're not driving the narrative along. They're not the ones who are bringing the story to life. Um, they're just kind of there, you know, and then people can't relate to that. Right. Cause life is character driven. Right. Uh, and so it's, um, you know, and so in those instances, like the writing may be boring or not very interesting or the characters don't really connect with you and it's hard to get into the story. Um, and so I think once you understand those things, it actually helps you become a better writer. And, you know, one of the things that Robert McKee talks about is just like, you know, like I mentioned before, volume is really important, you know, because 
you're going to have a lot of ideas, not all of them good. Um, you know, and you want to, you know, but every now and then you're going to have that gem and that's, you know, that's where you, that's what you want to get to. And you, you string together your gems and then, you know, that's when you actually start the process of creating the thing, right? Once you've really, once you really have these gems of scenes, you know, and like these scenes, you know, like if you're doing like the narc note card exercise, like, you know, a scene, maybe, you know, four or five lines of text, you know, um, you know, not very long, but it covers, you know, key aspects of like what's happening, you know, you know, where the character starts, where the character ends, you know, in that scene, you know, what the goal of the scene is, right? Like, you know, it, you know, all that comes out in that, in that scene description. Uh, and so when you think about it that way, um, you know, you can start writing, um, but then, you know, you get, you get better over time. Um, and a lot of that has to do with, you know, like some people get better over time because they write a lot of books. Some people get better over time because they spend a lot of time thinking through one book. Right. But you always want to, you don't want to paralyze yourself by just thinking through story ideas. And so there's a process to it. Um, and if you follow that process, you'll actually, you know, uh, you actually get to where you want to get to. Yeah, it's it's very interesting. I just recently watched um I watched Filamento on YouTube. I think or Filamento. He discusses what makes a good movie or a bad movie. And I think even though movies and books are different mediums, their same principles still apply for storytelling. So he yeah. talked about Morbius or this latest vampire movie, how it was just a terrible movie because it was all plot driven, not character driven. Oh, he's a doctor, but it never shows how he's good at being a doctor. It's just the MacGuffin. That's one thing. Uh, no spoilers, but I loved about everything everywhere all at once is the science fiction wasn't what put, it wasn't the plot MacGuffin. It was you. It was used to move along the plot, but the plot was all character and uh, character interaction relations. It was just a part of that, those interactions. The plot wasn't based around the science, you know, science fiction MacGuffin or something. Looking for an exciting space adventure book? A romantic young adult story? And a fantastic sci-fi read? Get The Fondra by award-winning author Emmanuel M. Ariaga today and prepare to feed your imagination with never-ending thrill ride. Well, actually, I think a really good example is actually Doctor Strange 1 versus Doctor Strange 2. No spoilers. I haven't seen the Multiverse of Madness yet. But so I what, I, what I'll say is Doctor Strange 1 was very character-driven. Like you became, you were in the shoes of Dr. Stephen Strange in book one, as he went through this experience, as he went through this journey from like being the best doctor, being world renowned, being the best there is to yep. just being brought low because of his car accident. And then they showed it too, right? You know, like they showed him doing the surgeries and stuff and like, yeah, and it wasn't just told. Yeah. And so, you know, Doctor Strange one character, very character, character driven, very good movie. One of my favorite Marvel movies, hands down. Doctor Strange two is plot driven. Mm. It's very plot driven, and you know, it's a good, it's a good experience. But like, if you after, you know, but it's like the day after you realize, just like, 
this movie was bad. You're the third person <laughs> to tell me this, and I was actually really tempted. So I have a T-Mobile Tuesday code for $5 off, and Tuesdays in my area is... Uh, $6 movie ticket so I can literally go see a movie for a dollar and you're the third person to tell me that Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness is not good and so it's like do I waste my dollar on this movie just to see it or do I go see an actual good movie that I want to like to enjoy and just watch it on Disney Plus whenever it gets there you know I think so so like the, the best way to explain it would be Doctor Strange 2 it's kind of like a Michael Bay movie oh it's like it's a fun experience like you watch it and you're just like, oh, this was great. And then after the fact, you're just like, what was that movie about? <laughs> like, like, I don't like, why did they do that? Like that plot point made no sense. Like yeah. that character development was like pointless, you know? And so like, it's kind of like the day, you know, when you watch the movie, you're just like, ah, oh, this is fun. You have a good time. But then after the fact, you're just like, that movie was terrible. You know, and it's kind of just in retrospect as you think through the things. And so that's how Doctor Strange was to me. You know, it was a it was a fun movie to watch. You know, you suspend your disbelief um, or you suspend your belief. Right. Uh, and you, you know, you just kind of enjoy the cool effects and, you know, the cameos and all that other stuff. And you have a good time eating your popcorn. But then the day after when you, you know, when you're disbelief, when you're, you know, when you, when you, when you actually can process what you watch, you're just like, why did they do that? You know, why did they, why did they, why did they do all these different things in that, in that movie? You know, that makes no sense. Um, and I think that's the perfect example. I think, you know, Dr. Strange one versus Dr. Strange two, where it's just one's character driven and one's plot driven. And it's just so apparent uh, and you can see why, you know, you know, in, in like Hollywood movies, you know, you can have a huge budget and be really flashy about it and entertain people. But then like, there's no substance. Right. And I think that's. Well, great um, example is the Transformers franchise. Like I love the yeah. animated series. It is a great, the, the Michael Bay series is great action packed, uh, MacGuffin, whatever, uh, fun ride. It's just yeah. a fun ride, but there is no substance, especially in like the second movie, spoiler alert, where um, Optimus Prime like kills one of the Decepticons, Point Blake, and like that goes against everything Prime stands for. Like if you read, yeah. you know, I understand they're trying to make a movie flashy or whatever, but that literally goes against the character of Optimus Prime. He's not someone to just like execute somebody in cold blood like that. Yes, I understand it's a war, but that's that's goes against his character, right? And I think that's an interesting thing, right? So like the Marvel universe, they have these kind of pre-designed characters versus a book. Like you get to make the character yourself. You're making it however you want, but also not letting the plot dictate the dictate the story, which um have you ever had to have like one of your friends come in and say or someone like who reads it like oh this is way too plot or you know in the beginning of writing were you more plot driven than story driven i i think early on i learned that you know it was um it was a lesson that i learned from ari salvatore who's one of my favorite authors um he did an interview where he talked about he actually he actually co-authored one of the I, I did a, I read a lot of uh, how to write books how to create a story um, books and one of the books that he uh, co-authored um, and then you know an interview that I watched about you know that he talked through he, you know he, he talked a lot about how you know he what can you put the two authors names uh, you mentioned in the show notes at some point. Yeah. 
and so he he talks about how when he first started writing, he um he uh he wrote this story and he was really proud of it. And then, you know, he wanted feedback on his writing because, you know, he had pitched it to a few um, agents and, you know, all of them had rejected him. And so, you know, he, he, he found a local author, you know, uh, and, you know, it was back in the day. And so, you know, he looked up the author in the phone book and he called, you know, he cold called the author and he's just like, Hey, like, uh, I want to get some advice. Can I send you my book? And can you, take a look and give me some feedback. And the guy was just like, sure, I'll do that. Uh, and so, you know, the author, you know, this published uh, award-winning author or whatever, you know, looked at his stuff and, you know, gave him some feedback and says like, Hey, like people have to care about your characters. All right. And he's just like, you know, you, you, your characters aren't interesting. Like you're not, you know, you're not you care. You're not driving the this along you know, with your characters, you're not, it's not a character driven story. Um, you know, and I don't care about the characters. And if I don't care about the character, you know, your readers, your average reader isn't going to care about your characters, you know, and that's why they haven't picked up your book. Right. And so, you know, he took that hard feedback to heart and he actually, you know, rewrote his books, you know, and made them character driven narratives. Right. And now he's, you know, one of those legendary authors, you know, who has 50 plus 50 plus books to his name. Right. And is a full-time author, you know, and, and, you know, New York times bestselling author. And I think, you know, um, you know, that, that feedback, uh, you know, I heard that early on when I was writing founder, you know, um, the original novel and, um, you know, kind of forced me to say like, Hey, I have to make my characters interesting, right? Like I have to, I have to center the story around my characters, not the plot. Right. Um, and I, and I did a significant rewrite, right? Like I, I, I spent a lot of time and I wasn't fully finished the book, but I, you know, I went back and I started over and I just, you know, started going through and, and changing things to be character driven. Um, cause you want your characters or, to make the decision like, Oh, we need to go fight this guy. Cause he's doing this instead of the guy stole it. So we're going to fight him. Yeah. I mean, I think it, you know, it's it's just one of the things where you, you you have to have your characters driving for the dialogue or driving for the narrative, right? By their choices and actions, right? It's not like, you know, the the plot's driving along, the characters along for the ride. It's like the characters' choices and actions are what are driving for the narrative. And it was a big shift, but I think you know I made that shift with the first book, um, you know, and I and I had that thinking going into the second book and all my and all my books. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's something that I learned a lesson that I learned early on that I'm thankful for with having character driven, um, stories. Uh, and I think, you know, even when I go through the process of thinking through, um, you know, new books and new books that I'm working on, like I, you know, you know, I spend time thinking through like, who's the main character, you know, what are they interested in? What do they care about? Right. Like the whole goals, motivation, motivation thing that I share, you know, I do one of those profiles for a character, not just in founder, but for every novel that I write, like I run through that exercise with those characters. Um, and it's super valuable um, to do that because it brings the character to life in a way that's only possible when you think through that person as a real person. Um, 
Yeah. Well, and in your head, they are real, right? Even though it's a book, it's a character. Like they're kind of your not child per se, but they're they're a part of you in some way. So there is some realness to them, even though they are fictional. You know, a part of the book. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, do you? So I know when I finish a book, you kind of have that post book depression. Uh, do you get that as writing a book, like the story's complete, or do you are you satisfied that like the story's been told? No, it's actually a rush for me when you finish a book, because when you finish a book, especially at the founder series, when you finish a book, you, you know, at least all my books end on, um, somewhat of a, um, like, a a cliffhanger, you know, like there's, there's something, you know, um, and I, and I usually explore that in the epilogue, right. You know, so like, you know, spoilers, like founder ends, right. And then in the epilogue, you know, Burmy Wiwata, who, you know, you thought is killed in the first book actually wakes up on the Inesbic plane and you're just like, what? <laughs> I remember being like, oh gosh, I can't wait to see what happens next. Yeah. Right. And so you're just like, wait, what? Like, I thought, you know, if, if someone went on the Inesbic plane, like it would rip them apart. Right. Like, what do you mean? Like she's on the Inesbic plane and she's fine. Right. You know? And so it's like that cliffhanger where people are just like, you know, I, it's funny, you know, you, when you're, when your book's going through the editing process, sometimes editors will like make little comments or things like that for scenes they really enjoy. And I still remember like the editor, my first editor for Foundra, like, like when that scene happened in the epilogue, she was just like, what? <laughs> like, like all these exclamation points. And she's just like, this is so awesome. You know? <laughs> so it was like, it was like one of those, like, uh, satisfying moments where you're just like, you know, even my editor was just like, this is cool. Right. And you're just like, all right, nice. And you know, the editor uh, likes it. Cause how many books do they have to go through as their job? Yeah. Yeah. And that's something, that's something that, you know, I've been fortunate, you know, I have a lot of great editors and, you know, I've had every editor who's ever read anything I've written, you know, and, and they've been like, this is a good story. Right. Mm. Uh, and they're just like, I don't say this lightly. This is a good story. And it's like, we have some technical things we need to work through. There's some work that needs to be done. Absolutely. But like the story, the story is good. Uh, and so like, you know, that's something that's been nice to hear, um, you know, from, from the editors that I've worked with, you know, cause they, you know, they, they work with books on a daily basis and they know good books and they know bad books, you know? And so that's been something that, you know, has at least told me that, you know, Hey, there's something here. Uh, but yeah, leaving, you know, leaving books on a, on a, you know, when I, when I finish a book, I get a rush and I, you know, I work on, I, I, I actually may, when I finish a book, like actually fully finish a book, I may start on the outline for the next book right away. <laughs> uh, not even kidding. Like when I finished, um, when I finished, um, Pride of Ashna, like I immediately started on book three and I actually, I actually knocked out the outline for book three, the original outline, it's changed a lot since then, but the original outline for book three, I knocked that out in the same night uh, because you get a rush, right? Like you're just like, I just finished telling the story. Like, you know, you, you leave it at a cliffhanger and just like, Oh, well, how does this, you know, how does this happen? You know, and it's like, dang it, I have to figure this out. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, and I, and I won't spoil it, but there is a yeah, huge cliffhanger at the end of, end of book two. Jeez, that is uh, a very, um, emotional, devastating Guys, scene. Don't tell want. me. No, keep up the spoilers. 
for, for anyone who's read through books one and book two, like when you get to the end of book two, it's like a baseball bat to the gut. Um, and, you know, it was a hard scene to write. Um, but it was a necessary scene to get to where I need to get to in the founder series. And, um, and, you know, but I had to like immediately start on book three. I actually wrote the first chapter to book three that same night that I finished book two. Um, because I, you know, it's, it's a direct continuation. Book three is a direct continuation of book two. Um, between Foundra and Pride of Ashna, there's a, a few months gap um, between those those stories, um, you know, because the Rift War ends at the end of book two or end of book one. And, you know, the, uh, the you know, the Hughesian Alliance kind of has to pick up the pieces and, you know, bring some order and, you know, put down Sagarin's forces that are still, you know, you know, uh, causing havoc, you know, even even though Sagarin has been defeated. Um, you know, uh, and so there's a few months gap between book one and book two, but between book two and book three, it literally picks up right where book two ends. Um, and so, you know, that momentum carried directly into book three. Um, and, you know, and, and since then I've, um, you know, I've redone, I've redone the flow of the story, you know, the, the beginning and the end never change, but how you get there changes. Right. Um, and so I've, I've flushed that out a few different times, uh, you know, uh, uh, specific more recently, like I, I, when I, when I, um, you know, I started doing I, the note card exercise cause I, you know, there are a few points, you know, one of the things that, you know, I don't believe in traditional writer's block, right? Like I think if you if you're if you're struggling to write something to write a scene, it's usually your subconscious telling you that that scene's not right, but like you should change that scene. And so I think once you actually like accept that, the creative energy start to flow again. Do you think um, it's difficult to change? And so whenever you whenever I run into some, sorry, go ahead. Um, do you think it's difficult to make changes like that because you kind of have an idea in your head and you want to keep it that way, even though the story might be better off if you made that change? it's tough. I think the first time you do it after you get used to doing it, you, you don't, you don't tend to hold on to scenes, uh, unless it's like a key defining moment. Um, uh, and, and those are harder to change, but you know, you have to be willing to change those as well. Um, I think for me, I, um, I am, willing to cut a scene if it doesn't work and even i i will i've cut chapters that i've written where i'm just like yeah, i don't like this chapter or i don't like how this went and i will cut the chapter out and rewrite it right Save and that, that may have been like you know hours of work that i just did but i will cut it and 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 start from scratch if it doesn't work um and you just have to be prepared to do that and i think um you know, that's just part of the creative process. Like you have to be willing to, to cannibalize things that don't work to make way for even better ideas or better scenes. And it's just part of the writing process. And I think when people don't want to do that, that's when they encounter writer's block because they're, you know, the creative energies are just like, I can't work with this. You need to do something different. And then just like, no, I really want this to do, really want this to work. And they struggle, uh, you know, and, and, and so, that whenever I encounter, you know, 
difficulty writing a specific scene, I recognize like I need to scrap this and, and, and I'll come up with a new idea and just immediately, you know, the creative energies will start flowing again. And I'm just like, yep, I needed to scrap that scene. It wasn't working. Since data stored is relatively cheap and it's really easy. Do you, um, do you save everything you've written and just pull it out of the main? Content? I do. Yeah. So I have like a cutout uh, doc for each book. That's just a collection of scenes that I've cut out and I categorize them. So like I call out the scene and, you know, uh, depending on what it is, I may also say like why it was cut out. Uh, But a lot of times, you know, uh, and, and I, and I, and I'm investing a lot more energy up front with this doing the note cards. Cause um, when you actually, you know, when you think through the scene from like a synopsis point of view ahead of time, you can actually reduce the amount of rework that you need to do. You know, because you can write a note card in like five minutes, a note card scene, but, you know, you write a chapter scene, you know, and that might take an hour or two. And so, you know, if I spend the time at the note cards up front, you know, I save myself hours. Right. And so I'm doing more with the note cards, fleshing out the scenes, just thinking through, um, you know, uh, what scenes work, what scenes don't work, you know, more up front um, before I actually get to writing them out in detail and that's been working quite well yeah that's awesome i'm here thank you for listening check out our podcast on spotify google podcast and apple podcasts if you enjoyed the show for more books and inspiring stories from today's authors please subscribe to our podcast 